Hello there, this is Gareth O'Callaghan and you're very welcome to the second episode of my new podcast diary for Senior Times. I hope you had an enjoyable and safe Christmas. I hope you managed to get some of the time available to spend with the people you love most in your life. And I hope some happy memories emerged from what was the sadness of a very, very strange and frightening year. From where I'm sitting this morning, I'm looking out at the most beautiful scene. There's not a breath of air. It's a very still morning. There's been a couple of heavy showers of snow overnight, which has left a a gorgeous white coat across the back garden and beyond to the fields that I'm looking out at. The beautiful trees and the birds and such a peaceful, peaceful scene. I might add, by the way, the fields are not mine, uh, but it is a lovely pleasure for me to be able to sit here on beautiful mornings like this and look out at these gorgeous scenes. So like me, you're probably wondering what is 2021 going to bring? Well, vaccine is now replacing virus in terms of conversation. And let's hope the same happens in real life. We're not very good at being told what to do, that's for certain. And I include myself in that statement. Restrictions are not pleasant, especially when you can't see the sense in many of them. People's personal behaviour we're constantly being told over this coming week to 10 days is going to be critical in terms of overall health in the weeks and months to come. We almost didn't make our deadline with this episode of the podcast because for five hours yesterday, I sat looking quite cluelessly at the technical equipment that surrounds me here on our dining table where I record the podcasts. And for some reason, I just I just couldn't get the technology to work. I could hear myself in my headphones, but I couldn't see anything recording on the screen. So after five hours, just as I was about to throw in the towel, uh, I pressed something and everything began to work. Now, typically, I don't know what I pressed, but I left everything exactly as it was so that when I came down here this morning, I reckoned that if I just pressed that particular button, everything would work. Thankfully, it did. So I get a chance to talk to you again for this, our second episode. Thank you to so many of you who have contacted me uh, by way of Facebook and Twitter and email over the last few days to say that you enjoyed last week's podcast very much. Many of you saying that it was lovely to hear my voice again, that you haven't heard it for quite a long time. I know it's August 2018 now, coming up on two and a half years since I broadcast. I've been writing a fair bit on Facebook. And as you know, I have been writing a book, which I'm delighted to say is due for publication on the 4th of March. The title of the book is What Matters Now. And I'll tell you a little bit more about the book and what what I've been writing about in the next few podcasts. If you do feel like writing, if you would like to drop me a line, the email address is garethocallaghan2021 at gmail.com. Some of you who have written to me over the last week have been asking how my health is. As I mentioned last week, and as some of you will know, I was diagnosed back in June 2018 with this illness called multiple system atrophy. It's a very rare condition. Approximately 250 to 300 people here in Ireland have multiple system atrophy. About 3,000 people when you combine Ireland and the UK and obviously a significant greater number in the United States and beyond around the rest of the world. And it's such a rare illness that very, very few people have ever heard of it. And that includes doctors. There are many GPs uh, around the world who have never encountered a case of multiple system atrophy. 
It's very similar in its early stages to Parkinson's disease and it mimics the symptoms of Parkinson's, which is why it's a very difficult illness to diagnose. The final diagnosis is down to a neurologist or a movement disorder specialist. In many cases, it can take years for a final diagnosis to actually be given because many of the symptoms are so similar to other neurological disorders. Needless to say, it is not by any means a nice condition. Uh, It's a very painful condition. There are a number of different types of it, two specific types. There's MSAP, which stands for Parkinson's, and then there's MSAC, which stands for cerebellar. They eventually merge, so there's no difference after a couple of years. But the diagnosis is based on specific symptoms that fall into different categories. It's quite complex, and that's why it's it's down to a neurologist to make what ultimately is the final decision in terms of what a diagnosis is going to be. My health lately has been quite good, I have to say. I get a lot of pain at night, and it's very, very severe some nights. I'm finding I'm losing feeling in quite a lot of my toes and on the soles of my feet. So I tend to have to exercise them as much as I can with um, a lot of massage. I also get pain in other parts of my body. One of the strange things, one of the many strange things about this illness is that outwardly you tend to look extremely well. It's almost as if there's nothing wrong with you. And I tend to hear from people who say, you look great. I haven't seen you in so long. And quite a number of other people who I know who have MSA share that sentiment with me, that it can be very, very difficult to hear such a lovely compliment when you know that there's an awful lot that's not great going on inside where no one can see it. But one of the things I've had to learn as this condition progresses is the art of patience. Patience. I have never been a particularly patient person. I've always been in a rush to get things done. Lately, I've learned that patience with myself helps me to relax. At this stage, I'm not really in any rush to do anything. So I suppose it's probably easier to be more patient. And I remind myself of the virtues of patience that if I lose my patience, I get anxious. And then if I continue to get anxious, I get angry. And that serves absolutely nothing. One of the things I have to try to avoid is anxiety. This is what I have been told because anxiety is like a red rag to a bull when it comes to a faster progression of this particular illness. And to be honest with you, I'd prefer to keep the progress and the progression of it as slow as possible. I'm also reminded that anxiety and anger cloud everything. Although not a lot phases me these days, I remember there were times previously when I would get anxious over the slightest little thing. So in that respect, I'm grateful to say that I'm learning more and more the benefits of patience. There is one aspect that stands out for me in terms of the progress of this condition, and that is that you lose your voice. Now, usually it's one of the very, very first symptoms that your voice begins to weaken, it softens, it can go hoarse, it can crackle, it can break, 
and it's usually a warning sign to doctors who tend to be the first port of call. They tend to be your primary caregiver, even beyond diagnosis of a lot of these neurological disorders. The doctor is the first place you go to. The doctor is the first person you call. But I've been very fortunate in that my voice has remained very, very strong. Now, occasionally it crackles, but I just put that down to the fact that it's early warning. But that worry is always in the back of my mind that if this condition progresses, as I'm told it will, then one of the casualties will be my voice and I will lose it completely. And I won't be able to talk anymore. And I think that is one of the most terrifying prospects that I can think of. An awful lot happens physically. Your balance goes and you become unable to walk. I like to think that's well down the road. I have no idea, but I remain very, very hopeful and very, very positive in the face of this. But that one fear I have is that eventually my voice will be gone. Having used my voice for so many years as probably the the primary trademark of my career on radio, the prospect of not being able to talk anymore terrifies me. That said, there are lots of exercises I do, singing, as I mentioned in the last podcast, and I tend to do a lot of talking anyway, which is very, very good exercise for the vocal cords. And I urge other people with these neurological conditions where, where the voice is something that's targeted and that eventually is taken away, you've got to continue to do these exercises that speech and language therapists can recommend. But then there's another problem there and that speech and language therapy is as rare as snow here in this country. Unfortunately, there can be long waiting lists to get to see speech and language therapists. But if you can't get to see them, look up some of the courses and some of the directions and guidelines and assistance and support that you will find online free. Say hello to Independent Weekend Home Delivery. Save up to 40% with the Irish Independent and Sunday Independent delivered to your door every weekend. Plus, enjoy premium access to independent.ie and read our interactive e-paper edition all week long. All from just €5 per week. Search for Independent Home Delivery now. Your free travel card can be used on all Expressway coach services. Despite restrictions, we're staying on the road. Whether you need to attend a medical appointment or for any other essential journey, remember to travel with Expressway. Expressway. Keeping Ireland connected. Here's your chance to win a top-of-the-range smartphone, a Doro 8050, designed specifically for seniors. Doro are market leaders in creating phones with clearer sound and larger text, one that's protected if it falls or can alert others if you do, and makes staying in touch with family and friends simple and enjoyable. Doro helped to make ageing an independent, secure and rich part of life. As you know, age is just a number. All you need to do to win a Doro smartphone is go to the website seniortimes.ie and follow the instructions. The lucky winner will be announced on the Senior Times Facebook page. Doro Phones, making technology easy for all. Our health service is here for you this winter and we're taking every step to protect you from COVID-19. Our services are open and working from routine appointments to urgent care. 
Remember to check your prescriptions and keep a list of your medicines handy. And look out for your Keeping Well This Winter booklet in the post. Visit hse.ie or call HSE Live on 1850-24-1850 for more information. From the HSE. I hope you received some lovely Christmas presents. I have to say I was spoiled rotten with beautiful, beautiful gifts. I got married in September last, which was definitely the high point of 2020 for me. During a year when there was very, very little good news, it was just something so special to look forward to. As a result of COVID, we had to postpone the actual date. I think it was four times, but on the fifth go, we managed to get there in September last. So it was just a wonderful, wonderful day with lots of beautiful memories. But my wife has got such an amazing eye for unique gifts. Uh, it's just something so special and she actually bought me a star for Christmas. Literally a star, a celestial being, a beautiful, beautiful, bright white star. And I have the information here, actually. My star, it's our star, actually, was registered in the star location NGC228, and our star is situated in the constellation Andromeda. And uh, I even have the certificate of registry here, from the Intergalactic Star database. It's wonderful that somewhere out there in Andromeda, which you can see on a very, very clear night, that there is a star that has our name on it and will have its name on it forevermore. Uh, in return, I actually, uh, I got her a, a, a very, very uh, interesting gift. I got her a dartboard. Yeah, I, I know, it, it's unusual, isn't it? It really is unusual, a dartboard. I'd been listening on and off for little clues as to something I could get her for Christmas. And we watched Bullseye, the old 80s editions of Bullseye, which are played out over and over again on rotation on Challenge Television late at night. It's one of the only television programmes, that and The Chase, that I watch on a regular basis. And she said to me one night, just quite by coincidence, she said, uh, I bet you I could beat you at darts. And I used to love darts years ago. So I thought, right, we'll see. So uh, I sent off and actually managed to purchase a championship dart board. Uh, this is the type that you see during many of the darts championships. And two sets of darts. And they arrived about a week before Christmas. So the look of surprise on her face. Uh, at first, she didn't believe it. I think she's kind of quite taken to it. So one piece of advice I would give you, by the way, never hold a dartboard so that someone standing in front of you can actually practice their darts on. I made the mistake of doing it. Now, luckily, she got a treble 20, which wasn't a bad start. But when you consider the distance between treble 20 and what lies above a dartboard, if you're holding it against your chest. But there were lots of other beautiful presents and it was a lovely Christmas and I hope yours was too. Uh, let's all keep our fingers crossed that we'll make it an extra special Christmas in 2021 when all of you will get home and it will just be wonderful. I mentioned watching television there a few moments ago. I have a confession to make. For over five years, it could have been longer, it could have been closer to seven years, around about 2012 to 2018. Uh, I didn't have a television in my apartment in Dublin. 
Now, that came as such a shock to so many people who would, in the course of an average conversation, ask you, did you see House of Cards last night or did you see The Sopranos or have you been watching such and such a programme? And I would say, no, I haven't. And of course, as you know, The Sopranos and House of Cards, they were so popular, it was just taken for granted that these were the programmes everyone was watching. So when I said that I'd never seen Game of Thrones, that I had never seen The Sopranos, people tended to look at me almost as if I had been sort of discovered living in some underground cave that I was rescued from after 10 years having been missing. But I think I moved into the apartment and it dawned on me, well, right, in order to get the television working, I'm going to have to buy some form of package. And I remember that the dish I needed for the roof of the apartment, the uh, the people who owned the apartment building said, you can't put a dish up there, uh, so you will have to put it elsewhere. And there was nowhere else to put it. I didn't have a television license because I didn't have a television So consequently, I just decided, right, I won't have any television. There's no point because I tend to stay out a lot. Uh, If I'm not out a lot, I tend to work a lot from home where I would be writing or I would be occupied by doing other things, particularly reading. Reading is my passion. Uh, So I decided, well, there's no point having a television. So I did without one. And it's amazing how very quickly you adapt to most circumstances and most situations. And after, I think, a few months, I completely forgot that television existed in the evenings. I would sit in a radio studio for a few hours most afternoons, so I had access to a television on the wall of the studio in front of me, which tended to be tuned into CNN news most days. So there's that period in my life where so many successful actors and television shows which have gone down in history as legendary completely passed me by. But I'm glad to say now that uh, I'm a huge fan of Netflix and uh, we tend to watch movies more than anything else. But one of the most peculiar things about not having a television and being well-known whereby on the radio show I would be talking about television programmes and I would be discussing programmes that other people liked or other people didn't like. The TV licence inspectors couldn't get their heads around this. I presume during their day they may have listened in to me talking about television. But I arrived home on a couple of occasions to find these little reminder notes slipped under the apartment door to say that the television licence inspector had called and he was coming back to check my television license. So I wrote to them and I said, Dear sir, I received your card in relation to an appointment you wish to make with me to check my television license. I actually don't have a television, so there's no point in you calling. I received another reminder saying, Well, we'd like to come and check to see if you have a television or not. So... I asked the landlord to write to them. He wrote to them. He said, I'm the landlord. In fact, I removed the television that was there and all of the equipment that went with it. So there is no television there. So this correspondence carried on for months where I would continue to get these little reminders under my door to say, hello, we called again. Can you give this number a ring or can you drop us a note to say when you'd be available and we'll call back to see your television license? Eventually, they accepted, after a lot of correspondence, that there was no television. I was thinking to myself yesterday, what has lockdown done for me? As in the last 10 months, how has it changed me? 
what has occurred within me that's different to the way I was early last March. And I was trying to remember what I was doing in the days leading up to the lockdown, the beginning of the lockdown, that famous speech by Leo Varadkar on, I think it was St. Patrick's Day. And I do remember the Friday before St. Patrick's Day, Friday the 13th of March, rushing for a train. I had been to see my mother, who's very, very well, thankfully, in Dublin, and was rushing to catch a lunchtime train that Friday afternoon to get back to Cork. There was that ominous feeling in the air that there were big changes coming. And all we knew was that this virus was on its way and I think most people at that stage were quite frightened. But as I look back, I think lockdown for me, once again, it has helped me to be more patient. But as I look back and I ask that question, what has lockdown done for me? Obviously, it's given me an awful lot more time to think, to think about what's important about life, to think about how I want to spend the time I have, to think about the people I love, to think about the places I want to go to when eventually we can once again move more freely. And I'm also asking myself, is this the new normal? A lot of people are saying, I just can't wait to get back to the way things used to be. I don't think that we ever will go back to the way things used to be. We are creatures of habit, but we're also very, very adaptable. And particularly in situations where we have no choice but to readapt. We might protest and we might dig our heels in and we might say, I'm not changing, but eventually we do. I would like to think that by the middle of 2021, we will have adapted to this new normal, that the rollout of the vaccine or the vaccines, as the case is, will have been very successful and we will be allowed to live our lives more freely again. But what do we do in the meantime? Depression at this time of the year is something that always rears its head. It's an extremely difficult time of the year for so many people. That's without COVID-19. That's without the anxiety of restrictions. That's without the regulations that are quite stifling and quite isolating. So I think particularly now at this time of the year, we need to reach out more. We need to check in more with people who we know might be prone to depression, might be prone to anxiety, more so now than ever. One thing I'm very conscious of is the words people use in conversation because our words define us as individuals, not our jobs or our houses, not our wealth or our golf handicap or our favourite football team. We like to think perhaps that wealth and success are markers of our endearment to others. Money might make you friends, but they're not genuine friends and they don't ever hang around for too long. Money means very little in the long term. I remember being asked, can money make you happy? I don't believe it can make you happy. I believe it can give you choices. And perhaps one of those choices will be to be a lot happier than you would be if you didn't have money. But the words we use will determine what other people make of us, what other people think of us, whether they feel comfortable being with us, whether they want to avoid us, whether or not they want to include us in their inner circle of friends. In the same way that our spoken words will decide the direction our future takes. And those same words will also be markers by how people will remember us after we're gone from this life. Words can be so instantaneous. We often say things without thinking about what we're saying. The words we use can make the difference between life and death for someone else. I remember hearing that statement years ago. It was extraordinary because it was so true. 
If we choose the right words in certain circumstances, those words can open a window in the life of someone. The words we use every day, whether we're aware of it or not, determine not just how other people feel, but they determine how we feel ourselves. Therefore, it's safe to assume that words can make us ill. So perhaps that's a useful New Year's resolution for all of us, just to be more careful about the words we use. Words have such a profound effect, and once they're spoken, they can never be taken back. Depression, I've always said, is the hidden condition. A person can look wonderful on the outside, but feel miserable on the inside. And sometimes all it takes to make that person feel so much better is a few kind, thoughtful, considerate and positive words. It can practically lift an individual out of that feeling of illness. Words are like medicine. Powerfully positive words are a form of medicine. There's no doubt about that. Particularly at this time of the year, Christmas is not easy. It's not easy on most individuals, despite what they tell you. I don't know anyone, as I said last week, that is 100% happy about Christmas. And the isolation that so many people feel in the aftermath of Christmas, particularly this year, perhaps they spent Christmas Day alone. Perhaps they spent two weeks over Christmas alone. Perhaps they have spent a lot of 2020 in a residential home where they have had very few, if any, visitors. Words in situations like that are more valuable than money. You can't put a price or a value on the power of positive words. They can heal. And we need to be more positive with the words we use. We need to reach out a little bit more. We need to be nicer. It's the simple things that count. I've found that over the last 12 months. Along with the words that people use in conversation. Some conversations you have, you come away feeling miserable. Other conversations lift you. They give you hope. They give you a happier, more positive outlook. There's been so much illness about over these past 12 months. Illness is the great leveller, not death. Death places us beyond the reach of everything. Death means the end of everything forever. There's no hierarchy among the residents of a graveyard. As Steve Jobs famously said some years back, being the richest man in the graveyard doesn't matter to me. Going to bed at night saying, we've done something wonderful, that's what matters to me. Illness, on the other hand, often gives us a second chance to be the person we might eventually realise we should always have been, the person we always wanted to be. So once again, I ask myself that question, what has the lockdown done to me? Has it changed me for the better? I hope so. Our health service is here for you this winter, and we're taking every step to protect you from COVID-19. Our services are open and working, from routine appointments to urgent care. Remember to check your prescriptions and keep a list of your medicines handy. And look out for your Keeping Well This Winter booklet in the post. Visit hse.ie or call HSE Live on 1850-24-1850 for more information. From the HSE. Your free travel card can be used on all Expressway coach services. Despite restrictions, we're staying on the road. Whether you need to attend a medical appointment or for any other essential journey, remember to travel with Expressway. Expressway. Keeping Ireland connected.
Here's your chance to win a top-of-the-range smartphone, a Doro 8050, designed specifically for seniors. Doro are market leaders in creating phones with clearer sound and larger text, one that's protected if it falls or can alert others if you do, and makes staying in touch with family and friends simple and enjoyable. Doro helped to make ageing an independent, secure and rich part of life. As you know, age is just a number. All you need to do to win a Doro smartphone is go to the website seniortimes.ie and follow the instructions. The lucky winner will be announced on the Senior Times Facebook page. Doro Phones, making technology easy for all. Say hello to our Premium Plus e-paper bundle. The interactive replica edition of the Irish Independent, Sunday Independent and The Herald. Every paper, every day, delivered to your tablet, phone or desktop for less than €3.50 per week. Subscribe at independent.ie. Up close and independent. So, the first week of a brand new year, 2021, it has an unusual and rather rare ring to it. Two consecutive numbers that remind me of 1920. So we have 1920 and 2021. 1920, the last time such a numerical sequence occurred in a year. So from a numerology perspective, and numerology is so popular, if we say juxtapose 2021 alongside 1920, what do we see that might be an omen during the coming year? In other words, if we look back on some of the main events in 1920, can they be compared possibly to what some of the events might be in 2021? Well, back in 1920, America had a de facto woman president. Prohibition in the United States began in 1920. This was a nationwide ban on the production, importation, transportation and sale of alcoholic beverages that lasted from 1920 to 1933. And in April 1920, the Spanish flu ended with an estimate between 17 million to 50 million dead. It would be the last global pandemic until the COVID-19 pandemic almost exactly a century later. 800,000 people here in Ireland got Spanish flu and over 25,000 died. That was 1920. Numerologically, 2021 is what we're looking at. And the next time it will happen again will be 21-22. I don't think any of us are going to be too worried about that one. So here's hoping 2021 starts on a good note for all of us. I hope it is a happy new year. And I hope the new year brings plenty of positivity and happiness with it. On my next podcast, I want to tell you about something very, very special that we bought which I believe is benefiting my health at the moment. And it has to do with hydrogen. And also an incredibly moving book that I'm reading at the moment that I highly recommend. And I'll tell you more about it in the next podcast. It's a book by a guy called Garrett Graff. And the title of the book is The Only Plane in the Sky. And considering that 2021 marks the 20th anniversary of the horrendous events of 9-11, this is a book I highly recommend. And I'll tell you more about it in episode three. Don't forget that email address if you feel like dropping me a line. Gareth O'Callaghan 2021 at gmail.com. From me, Gareth O'Callaghan, thank you for listening. Take care. <laughs>